And a one, two, a three, a four. Welcome everybody to the LifePoint Table Talk podcast. My name is Jason, and I am here today with Bishop Fred Wilson. Well, hello everybody. What a joy to be with you. It's always a joy to get into the Word of God. God's God's into His Word, and anytime we get into the Word, it honors Him. Awesome. And we're coming in. On week 19 of our Bible reading reflection, we got a doozy today. We got a lot to get through. Big reading this past week. So uh, we got 1 Kings 14 all the way through 2 Kings 8, and then John 1 through 4. So a lot to cover. So let's jump into it. All right. All right. Let's do it. Well, just a little preview. Solomon had uh, been reigning, and he came to to his end. And then uh, Jeroboam reigns for 22 years and evil and got into idolatry. And then Rehoboam, in chapter 14, takes over. And we have the eight sins of Judah. In 1422, it says, And Judah did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they provoked God to jealousy with their sins, above all that their fathers had done. Now, in looking at this, I I can see three uh, outstanding words that jump out to me. Number one is... uh, they did evil in the sight of the Lord. So what does that tell us? It tells us God knows what's going on. Hmm. He's concerned about what's going on. And then it says that it, that their evil provoked God to jealousy. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. In other words, God cares. He doesn't want his people going running off after somebody else. And then it says... And they sinned above all that their fathers had done. So, above all, in other words, when we sow evil seed, it produces more. And so they were just on a cycle. They yeah. were sowing to evil, yeah. but it but it just kept increasing, yeah. increasing. You definitely see the cycle through kings of um, going astray. <laughs> It's like uh, few and far between. The people sort of stay on the right path, and um, and uh, yeah, cycle of violence and um, all kinds of uh, uh, craziness. Um, so yeah, you you were uh, covered quite a bit there in fourteen. Um, Jeroboam um, has gone astray. Uh, that was Solomon's son. They worshipped other gods. A lot of these guys, even when they're trying to follow the path, kind of keep this stuff around. It sounds like even Solomon had some mm-hmm. of these other shrines and things. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which uh, some of them <laughs> get worse and some of them seem to do uh, better. Almost. I, I, I almost went political there. You had the right wing and the left wing. Oh, goodness. Uh, so let's keep moving. We got a lot here. So uh, Rehoboam dies. His son Abijam becomes king. 
He is king for three years of Judah. Uh, he also follows uh, his father's ways and sin, not wholeheartedly devoted to God. But this is interesting, and this comes up a couple times in King, uh, where we'll say, but for the sake of David. Mm, yeah. And then God intervenes for the sake of David. Yeah, you see not, that, yeah. Um, he's sticking to this uh, covenant he made with David. And uh, so God raises up uh, someone in Jerusalem. Um, so during this time, the, the kingdom is split between Israel and Judah. Right. And so um, they're fighting pretty much this, much of this time. Um, okay, so then Abijam dies. And his son, Asa, becomes king. Yes, good. Okay, Asa reigns for 41 years. Yeah. Uh, it says he did what was right by he God. He did right, yeah. He banished a lot of this stuff that was going on, the idols. They had temple prostitutes, the whole deal. He even removed his grandmother's idols. Right. And marks that. Yes. Uh, so he cut ties with that. Yeah. Uh, it says he was devoted to God his entire life. So not all of these kings were um, off the path there. And in fact, it says he brings back his father's gold and silver for the temple utensils. There's a story in there, too, where uh, some of these things have been taken uh, when they were attacked. Um, so Israel's king was Basha and Asa's king of Judah. And these guy, these two, they're they're relatives, really. They're at war, and um, uh, Basha, king of Israel, kills all of Jeroboam's house. Uh, there's a actually a prophecy in fourteen about this. Uh, when Jeroboam's son was sick, and he went to the prophet for help, and the prophet. Uh, instead tells him you worshiped other gods so your son's going to die and your whole family's going to get wiped out. And so you see this also, mm -hmm. this pattern where these prophets will prophesy to these kings what's going to happen. And sometimes you'll forget and then way later on it comes yeah, back around later, and yeah. you see it come true. And uh, so that was one of those. Um, let's see here. Okay, so Jeroboam's family is completely wiped out, just like God had prophesied earlier. Uh, we get into 16. Uh, again, prophet uh, Jehu, uh, Jehu, the yeah, prophet, the prophesies prophet. that Basha will also be wiped out, just like Jeroboam. Um, Basha the, becomes king of Israel. Um and he gets wiped out by the dogs and the birds. Mm. That's not the better way to go. Yeah. So there's all this in intrigue here. Um, one of their commanders, Zimri, uh, rises, up. rises up and becomes king. Uh, he kills all of Basha's family and friends. Uh, but Zimri, it, it's also the uh, this pattern of getting power uh, sometimes it lasts very briefly this zimri's only king for seven days uh they find out what he did to basha and they raise up another commander omri and uh omri goes in and they march on the city 
Um, it's pretty wild. When Zimri sees what's going to happen, he hides himself in the the citadel of the royal palace and burns the place down on himself. Yeah, wow. uh, total tragedy there. Uh, Omri becomes king for 12 years. Um, Omri also is walking in evil like those who went before him. And Omri has a son named Ahab. Ahab becomes uh, one of those kings who sticks out for a while. 22 years, yeah. yeah. Um, so Ahab marries Jezebel. She's the daughter of the king of the Sidonians. And he begins to worship Baal and builds a temple for Baal. And this is connected to... Uh, through Jezebel um, and her family, and so they're they're going in a different direction now. Um, and it says Ahab did more to anger God than all the kings before him. Hmm. Wow. So this guy was quite the character. Um, so we get to chapter seventeen, and now Here we are Elijah. introduced to Elijah. Elijah. Uh, so we start off, Elijah comes and he's telling Ahab there's going to be no rain. Right, three-year drought. No rain unless he commands it. Um, so a God sends Elijah to hide by the river. Uh, it's, it's the Wadi, am I saying that right? The Wadi, Cherith, and the Jordan mm -hmm. are kind of connected there. And to drink there, and God sends ravens right. with food. And, yeah, bread and, and meat. Bread and meat. Yeah. They bring him food. Uh, a lot of supernatural stuff with Elijah. Uh, his whole life is sort of marked by incredible su supernatural events. Like and So the brook dries up, and so you can kind of hear Elijah say, Oh, my God, what now? What, what am I going to do? Yeah. And so he goes to a city nearby, Zarephath. He Zarephath. finds a widow there. He asks her for food and drink. Uh, she only has a little bit to prepare for herself and her son. They're basically about to starve because uh, of this drought. Mm -hmm. And Elijah asks her, he says, make me something first. First guy. <laughs> make me something first, and then you make something. Um, so... And she says, I only have a handful of it on the little oil. What are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, so uh, her son becomes sick. Mm -hmm. uh, he stops breathing. Elisha goes up to his room and prays for him. They they say this thing with the, the prophets when they pray, that they lay on them. Yeah, lay down, laid his body down on Literally on lays him. on him. God answers his prayer, and the, the boy comes back to life. Um, we'll keep moving here. We got a lot. Um, God tells Elijah to go to Ahab. There's a famine going on. Um, let's see. Ahab sends out Obadiah, who was in charge of the palace, to find food for the animals so they don't have to kill the animals because they're uh, starving to death. Uh, Obadiah is actually a good guy. Uh, they tell his story how he rescued a hundred prophets. Uh, I guess Jezebel, when 
Uh, she got power, started trying to take out all the prophets, and then well, yeah, she actually killed, slaughtered uh, them. She actually killed a hundred and put another hundred in caves and fed mm. them on bread and water. Yeah, and so Obadiah comes out and meets Elijah, um, and uh, Elijah finally is taken to Ahab. He meets him there. Ahab thinks Elijah's brought disaster on Israel, uh, but Elijah says, no, it's because of you and your father's following Baal. Um, so this this sets up this famous scenario uh, where then the Elijah, Elijah challenges him, tells him to send 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Ashram and to meet him on Mount Carmel. Right. And so they all assemble on Mount Carmel, and Elisha's sort of telling the people, how long are you going to go between our God and these other gods? Follow God or Baal. Just make up your mind. It's interesting that he wanted, uh, Elijah wanted the people to be there yeah, to see what was going on. Yeah, and um, so he challenges them to make a sacrifice, and whoever's, he'll make a sacrifice, and their priest will make a sacrifice, and whoever's God answers by fire is the real God. Mm-hmm. So that's the showdown. So the prophets of Baal make their sacrifice. They cry out to Baal morning until night. They get no answer. They're kind of going crazy. Elijah is mocking them, uh, saying maybe he's out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Go on vacation. Uh, he's asleep. I've heard some people say he might have said he's maybe he's in the bathroom, going to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> their God is uh, not there. He's uh-huh. not showing up. Uh, so they cry even more. They start cutting themselves. They're raving around drastically all the way until the evening. And then Elijah prepares his altar. He makes a trench around it. He lays the wood. And then, in addition, he pours water all over it. And then also the 12 stones. He yes. put 12 stones around the trench. And uh, that says that uh, he was not only representing himself, but was was representing the people of God. The twelve tribes. And um, so Elijah prays uh, that God would answer so the people would know he is God. Right. And fire the fire. Fire from God falls down, consumes the offering, the wood, the stones, the dust, the water, all of it. And it says that all the people fell on their face and worshiped God at that point. Um, he took a stand, didn't he? He did, and I think this was one of those moments where it was going to take a supernatural, it seems to have taken a supernatural uh, intervention to uh, right. change these people's minds. Mm-hmm. And it did. He uh, then tells the people to seize these prophets and kill them, and they do. They uh, kill the, the prophets of Baal. And he tells him, tells Ahab to go home and to eat and drink because an abundance of rain is coming. It's coming. So he goes up to, he's, Elijah's on Mount Carmel. He's praying. He asks his servant to tell him what he sees. This is a famous mm-hmm. passage here. He sees nothing. He sends him back seven times to see if the, uh, the rain has come. The seventh time, yeah. um, 
kind of interesting here. It's, he says, I want you to go and look toward the sea. So uh, kind of tells me that he was looking in the natural. Maybe that's the way the rains came at that time. Yeah. The clouds formed out on the sea and came in. So, yeah. so you have the natural and supernatural coming together. Yeah. And um, so the seventh time, <clears throat> his servant sees a tiny cloud the size of a man's fist. That must have been a really small cloud. Um, and that's the, uh, that's the sign Elijah needed. He sends his servant off because he says the rain is coming. And a little while later, the sky grows dark, and they have their rain. Um, let's see. Let's go over into 19 then. Okay. Yeah, this is, this is so interesting that this incredible servant of God, the prophet Elijah, it says he actually went on to run. He flees from Jezebel. Yeah. Now, some of the teaching on, on Jezebel, even today we talk about the Jezebel spirit, mm -hmm. and it represents one who wants to take authority. Hmm. That doesn't really belong to them. Yeah, she's kind of playing behind the uh, scenes a lot, so she manipulating. Was, and she was stepping into a spiritual, natural realm that she mm -hmm. didn't belong. Yeah. And so Ahab has told her what Elijah did to all the prophets. Mm -hmm. And so she promises to kill Elijah. Right. And, uh, yeah, it, it's interesting, too, because Elijah was just so bold and so... Um, seemingly confident and uh things quickly turn he's afraid and he well, runs uh, into the wilderness yeah and he, he got so depressed he wanted to die yeah. now what does that tell me that tells us regardless of how, how how would i say this how quote dedicated you are to god you still have to deal with your emotional realm mm. yeah and it's interesting too. He it tells a story. He's he's under a tree, oh, and like you said, tree. he's so depressed and and uh, messed up emotionally. An angel has to kind of take care of him. And God in His mercy sends this angel, wakes him up, and gives him food to eat. Get up, and literally is feeding him bread and water. It happens twice, um, and then he travels. Um, to the mountain, Horeb. It's kind of like a new time, a new season. He's seeking the Lord. And, and he's, he's and, living in a cave. Yeah. Now we go through those times. We go, mm. through, we go through our times and our journey where things are just so good. And then we have those challenges. And yeah. okay, man, I, I got to get with God. I got mm. to seek the Lord about this. Yeah. My new direction. And it's uh, this is one of my favorite passages when he's he's hiding out in this cave, and God goes to him and says, "What are you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here, Elijah?" Um, so he tells him to go out and uh, stand on the mountain, and it goes through this sequence where a great wind comes and tears the mountain and the rocks apart. But it says God wasn't in it. Mm -hmm. An earthquake comes, and it specifically again says God's not in it. Then a fire, but God is not in it. 
Then in a low whisper, uh, Elijah hears a low whisper, and he gets up and goes to the entrance of the cave. And again, it says, God says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here, Elijah? And so, um, I don't know. I, re- I really like that because there's, it, it kind of reminds me of the Genesis, you know, where are you? Where are you? Yeah. yeah. Adam, yeah. Uh, so God is, God knows what's going on, so he's being gracious. He's, he's addressing him graciously, but he's also confronting him like, come on, man. <laughs> what, mm. what are you doing out here? Well, right here in uh, chapter 19, verse 18, apparently the Elijah and his emotional down, his depression, got to thinking, you know, I'm just the only guy out here. Yeah. And then, and that's where the Lord said, look, you're not alone. I have 7,000 who have not bowed their knees to Baal. Yeah. Yeah, it's incredible. So God tells Elijah then to go and anoint Hazel uh, to be king of Syria and anoint Jehai king over Israel. And is that right? Did I say that right? King over Israel. Now, if you have... Uh... There in chapter 19, it, you also have Elisha. Yeah, Elisha shows comes up Comes on here. the scene to yep. become the servant. And so he is telling him to go to these guys, and they are going to take care of his enemies. Um, whoever the one doesn't kill, the other will kill, uh, as far as his enemies. Um, so, yeah, like you said, uh, this is when Elisha shows up. Um, Elijah puts his cloak on him. Um, this begins their relationship, which goes on for quite a while here. Kind of a mentor, mm-hmm. mentory thing. Oh, a little bit later we mentioned this, but this this was the beginning of Elijah's training. Yeah, yeah. And so we get over into chapter twenty. Um, the king of Syria, along with 32 other kings, has attacked Israel. They've surrounded Samaria. Uh, king Ahab is in there. They're kind of trapped. Um, he's wanting to take all of his wives and children and all his treasure. Um, so the prophet convinces Ahab to lead the attack on them. They go out and attack the Syrians. They chase them off. Um, <coughs> the Syrian king, this is a long whole story. I'll just try to do it briefly. The Syrian king escapes, but he regroups his whole army, and they come back and attack again, and again Ahab defeats them. But when they defeat them, Ahab makes a deal with the Syrian king and releases him and makes a covenant with him. And the prophet comes to Ahab and prophesies, because he let the Syrian king, his name was Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, go, God, when God wanted to kill him, he's now going to kill Ahab. And uh, then we get into a story in 21. Ahab is upset about uh, the situation where he's been prophesied he's going to d- uh, die, his demise there. He's trying to buy a vineyard uh, from someone, another person there in the the town, and the person refuses. And this is this is another uh, 
some insight into how Jezebel was, her character. Mm-hmm. She um, goes behind his back and makes a plot to murder this guy who's not going to sell his vineyard to Ahab. And she uses Ahab's authority and fakes it and his seal and sets up this plot where she has people falsely accuse this vineyard owner and they eventually stone him to death. And then Ahab takes the vineyard. <laughs> Uh, but it was a total scam uh, uh, that was produced and masterminded by Jezebel. Uh, again, Elijah the prophet goes and confronts him and prophesies that he and Jezebel and all his family will die and their bodies will be eaten by the animals. Wow. And that's one of those we'll see later. Um, again, it, in it, it, it it states clearly Ahab did great evil uh, because of Jezebel's influence. Uh, that was a big part of it. Um, interesting here, though, at the end of that 21, it does say when Ahab hears his prophecy, he humbles himself. Hmm. And he he goes into to the, the sackcloth and ashes and fasts. And it says, because he humbled himself, God spares him at that moment. Wow. And does not send catastrophe on him, but will bring it on his sons. This is wild. Um, So we get into 22. Ahab is king of Israel, and Jehoshaphat is king of Judah. Um, This is a situation where they come together to uh, fight to take Ramoth Gilead. Is that right? Um, And Jehoshaphat wants uh, to hear from God that this is the right thing to do. So he asked for uh, the prophets to talk to God for him. So Ahab brings all the prophets. They all give good news. uh, But Jehoshaphat is not satisfied, and he keeps pressing, and uh, there's another prophet, uh, but they don't, Ahab doesn't want to bring him around because he only brings bad news, and Jehoshaphat wants to hear from that guy. Uh, so they bring this other prophet in, and at first he gives good news, but the king presses him for answers, and he finally says what he's seen. And this is this is a pretty extraordinary uh, uh, a description of what he has seen. Is, is his name Micah? Micah? I'm not sure about uh, that. Yeah, I'm, I'm the worst with these names. So he says, "What he has seen, Israel will be scattered and should stay home in safety." But then he he describes a scene that he saw where God is sitting on his throne, surrounded by the heavenly host standing beside him and God says who will who will get Ahab to go to um, Ramoth Gilead right so that he will die there and a spirit comes forward and says he says they will and God says how and he says I will be a lying spirit to the prophet to the prophets and get them to lie to Ahab so he goes to Ramoth Gilead and <sighs> There's a lot there. <laughs> so God asked his counsel. Uh, he he wants to take Ahab out, 
and at this battle, so he needs to get him there. So he has his spirit go, and the spirit lies to the other prophets, mm-hmm. which then tell uh, Ahab to go there. So they gave Ahab purposely false good news, and so it's a setup, really. Uh, a divine setup. A divine, yeah. Actually. Uh, so Ahab gets mad. You would think he would listen to that. Um and throws that prophet, uh, has him arrested. So they go into battle uh, for uh, together, him and Jehoshaphat. Uh, there's this whole thing about how the, they were dressed in different, um, not disguises, but he, he didn't have his regular armor on, and Jehoshaphat is there. And uh, almost by chance, Ahab is hit by an arrow, through his mm-hmm. armor right. uh, in a way that uh, almost supernaturally he's hit. And he's wounded, and he goes to his chariot, and he's he's kind of propped up there watching the rest of the battle. And because of his wound, he's bleeding out into the chariot, and he eventually dies from, no, from right. his wound. And it says the dogs come and lick it up. And, and um, it's also weird that... Talks about the prostitutes bathing in his blood. Um, uh, so, so the dog, the animals there. This is exactly what God said would would happen. You did it, right. and it comes to pass. So Ahab dies. His son as Ahaziah becomes king. Um, it does talk about Jehoshaphat here. Jehoshaphat was king of Judah for thirty-five years. Walked in the way of the Lord. Except he didn't remove the shrines to other gods. His son, Jehoram, succeeds him. Ahab's son, Ahaziah, becomes king, and he follows in his father's ways of evil. So now we are on Second Kings, mm-hmm. and it's basically, it just continues right on with the story. Uh, Ahab has died. Ahaziah is king. Um... Isaiah, uh, it starts off the story. He he is fallen out of a window by accident and hurts himself. Uh, he sends his people to go to the prophets of Baal uh, to see if he's going to be okay to find help. But Elisha finds out and is angry and says, "Why aren't you looking to God? We have we have a real God, and you're going to these other people." Uh, you're never going to get out of bed. You're going to die. So Ahaziah gets mad, and he sends 50 soldiers out mm. uh, after Elijah, and they confront Elijah. Elijah's sitting up on a hill. They tell him to come down, and Elijah says, if I'm really a man of God, then God send down fire and burn up these people. And it happens. God send down fire and consumes these soldiers. Again, the king sends out another batch of 50 soldiers after Elijah, and again, Elijah calls down fire, and it kills him. The third time, again, this happens. The king again sends out 50 soldiers after Elijah, but their commander begs Elijah for his life and mercy. And uh, Elijah complies, and he goes and meets with king. And again, he tells that king... uh, you shouldn't have gone to uh, Baal. You should have gone to God. And because of that, you are going to die in your bed. And it happens. He dies. 
as is prophesied. And then Jorah becomes king of Israel. Jehoram becomes king of Judah. Uh, Chapter 2 here. Uh, This this is wild. The Lord, I don't know if they had a plan or something. I don't know how Elijah knows this, but he knows he's going to be taken up to heaven. Mm Mm-hmm. And in a windstorm. And he tells, uh, Elisha tells Elisha, uh, God wants him to go to Bethel. Uh, yeah, follow me. Follow there's a whole me. sequence yeah. here. Um, yeah. Go ahead, and then I'll give a little insight on these four cities. Awesome. Okay, so first he goes to Bethel. Uh, uh, every time, there's a couple of places he goes here. Elisha... Uh, says you shouldn't go, you should stay here. And Elisha says, no way, I'm going to go with you. And so he goes with him, and along the way, a group of prophets pass by and tell Elisha that God is going to take Elijah today. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know exactly how everybody seems to know this itinerary of uh, Elijah passing. Um, then God sends Elisha to Jericho. Mm -hmm. Again, the same thing. Elisha, uh, refuses to stay and he wants to go with them. So they go and, um, when they get to uh, Jericho, there are prophets there and they also tell him Elijah is going to be taken as well. Okay. Now then let me, uh, just jump in here and give them little insights on there. Actually, there's four cities, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho. And Jordan and I have to be honest with you I actually uh, Pastor Katrina has done a study on this and does a message series on this but Gilgal represents salvation Hmm. it represents the sins have been rolled away so salvation and then but now of course you do this by studying the Hebrew and uh, Bethel means house of God so you have salvation, and then you relate to the house of God. Jericho uh, was a place of palm trees with sweet fragrance, and it represents worship. And then Jordan, Jordan, crossing over Jordan, represents leaving separation, leaving the past, and it's a new day. Mm. So those four cities, I mean, the, the, you really dig into those meanings of those cities are very, very um, inspiring. And, uh, I mean, it was telling the story. Yeah. It was saying, here's your journey, Gilgal, Bethel, Jericho, Jordan. Yeah. They're there for a reason, specifically. Yes, it's, absolutely. It's, yeah, um, he didn't just, you know, off the cuff go, you know, travel here, travel there. Right, or, right. Know. Yeah. It was, it, of course, I mean, as you said, uh, the Lord was leading him, Gilgal. Okay, yeah. next Bethel. Yeah. So yeah, he was giving him a he was giving him a um, a history on what was taking place. Yeah, there's a deeper life. narrative right. there, right. deeper story. I love that. That's great. So so he ends he ends up at the river, mm-hmm. and so Elisha takes off his coat, and this is this is pretty cool. He rolls it up and he hits the river with it. And at once a path opens up through the river, and the two of them cross the river on dry land. So, obviously, that's a 
uh, something we've seen before. Yeah, and then the, 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 like of course, right there, that's where Elijah says uh, to Elisha, what can I do for you, Elisha? Yeah. Uh, he saw his commitment. Yeah. And uh, he says, you know, I'm going to be leaving you, Elisha. And Elisha says, uh, man of God, now let's, let's remember that um, Elisha had been with Elijah 40 years. Wow. 40 years serving the man of God. Yeah. Watching him, you know, his ups and his downs. Right. Uh, even when Elijah was missing it, so to speak, yet Elisha stayed with him. Yeah. And so Elisha says to Elijah, I want a double portion. Mm. I want to do double what you've done. Right. I want a double portion of your spirit, the spirit that's upon you. Yeah. And uh, Elijah says, hey, you know, sounds good, but that's a hard thing for you to ask. Yeah. And he says, but if you see me, now notice the conditions here. Yeah. It seemed like God always works with conditions. God's mm. part, man's part. Yeah. If you see me uh, if, as I'm taken up, you, you get the double portion. Yeah. But if you, but if, but if you don't, it won't happen. Yeah, wild. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that, that's really interesting. Um, so the translation of Elijah. Yeah, I, do, I don't totally understand that part. He has to see him, see mm -hmm. it happen. Um, that's that... Um, I think that's a, I think that might connect with that concept of everything is by grace through faith. Hmm. By grace through faith, Ephesians Ephesians two eight, yeah. or by grace through faith, you'll see so it. So he, he, Elijah was taking a faith step there. Yeah, because really the an obedient obedience and faith. Yeah, the supernatural shows up, um, and this is interesting. This is we. Um, see this motif show up with the flaming chariots and flaming horses uh, a couple of times through kings. Uh, so they're walking along and appears in front of them a, a chariot uh, pulled by horses, the, the flaming chariot and flaming horses, and a strong wind uh, takes Elisha up to heaven. Comes um, down and goes between them. Yeah. The chariot goes between them. Elisha sees what's happening and shouts, Israel's cavalry and chariots have taken my master away. Um, Elisha's coat had fallen off, so Elisha picks it up, goes back to the river, and he wants to see if uh, the power is there with him as well. So he um, hits the river with the coat, and again, God performs a miracle, and a path opens up across the water. Right. And so uh, the transition of power has been passed on now to Elisha. So you, uh, you probably get, you know, get, now we get, as we get in here to Second uh, Kings 2 through chapter 8, and you're, you'll probably do more commentary on that, but we have 28 miracles. Mm. Elisha does 28 miracles in these six chapters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, 
goodness, there's a lot here. Um, there's a miracle with a river of a town where he's staying, where the the water source for the town is bad, mm -hmm. and he miraculous. There's a, a miraculous uh, healing of the water becomes pure for the town. Um, then it goes right into to. Uh, this one's pretty wild. Elisha is heading to Bethel, and along the way, uh, a big group of boys start making fun of him, mm. calling him baldy. Must have been bald. <laughs> and Elisha curses them, and at once two bears run out and oh rip the boys God. to pieces. Whoa! Pretty wild. Um, we get into chapter three. Um, Joram, son of Ahab, is now king. He's not as bad as his father, but still pretty bad. Uh, Moab is a country that is controlled by Israel, has rebelled against uh, Israel's control. So Joram gets his army together. He calls Jehoshaphat to help him attack Moab. They go out and attack through the desert, but they run out of water. So the king calls on Elisha for guidance. Um, Elisha says it's interesting. He'll only go out and help these guys out because of Jehoshaphat, because mm -hmm. he respects Jehoshaphat. Uh, another interesting thing, he demands that somebody who can play the harp come out wow. and join them. So he needs music there. And uh, the harp Harpist plays, and Elisha gets a message from God. And God says, I'll send a river with water to help you and, and help you defeat Moab. Um, so the next morning, while they're making their sacrifices, water started, starts to suddenly flow through the river. Um, there's a whole sequence here where Moab... Uh, eventually attacks Israel, and there's there's some supernatural intervention. They think uh, that Israel has has uh, fought with themselves. There was some infighting, and they killed each other, and that they just have to go take what's left, but it's not really the case. And when they show up, all of Israel is there in their camps, and they come out and destroy them. So Moab is defeated. Um crazy story uh, the, Mo the king of Moab Mesha um, goes and hides in the last city that's left uh, of the Moabites and to stop the war he sacrifices his son um, on the city walls there and when Israel sees that they are horrified and they stop and they leave uh, chapter 4 um we have a story of Elijah and the widow. Um, this widow's husband had owed a man money, and this fella was taking her children as payment and going to make them slaves. Uh, again, all she has is a little bottle of oil. Elisha instructs her to go around and collect everyone's empty bottles of oil right. and go home and start filling them. So... Uh, she goes home, and she just has this little tiny bottle of oil, and she's able to fill all these other right. bottles uh, miraculously. And then he tells her to uh, go sell the oil, and then she's able to pay uh, for her son's freedom, and she gets him back. 
another one of those miracles. Um, another situation, Elijah uh, becomes friends, I guess, with the rich family, a rich woman and her husband. Um, they have built a place for him to stay when he comes to their town. So uh, Elisha is thankful and asks her if she needs anything. She says no, but he finds out that she uh, doesn't have a son, and he prophesies that she will have a son. And she miraculously gets pregnant, and a couple months later, um, she gives birth to a son. And then it tells a story of how when this, this boy, this uh, son of this rich woman, is young, he's out in a field, and his head starts hurting, and he passes out. They take him home, and uh, it doesn't tell exactly what was going on, but he dies. Mm. And she goes to Elisha and begs him to help. Um Elisha agrees and goes, and um, this whole there's so much here. Uh, first, he has his servant go and take his walking stick um, to see if that would heal him. It doesn't, so Elisha goes himself. Um, and again, he lays <laughs> lays on top of him <laughs> and prays. It sounds like there you go. he gives him mouth to mouth, uh, maybe. Could be. Breathes into him. Uh, eventually the boy starts sneezing and opens his eyes and comes back to life. Um, there's a miracle with a stew. <laughs> uh, one of his servants made some uh, uh, sour stew and uh, Elisha performs a, mirac- a miracle and it becomes good. Um Again, uh, there's another one, another miracle with Elisha taking a small bit of grain, loaves and bread, and miraculously feeding a hundred people. Um, uh, then we get into chapter five. Uh, it's the story of Naaman. Mm-hmm. Naaman, the commander of Syrian army. Yeah. Um, Naaman, Naaman was, uh, we kind of say he... He wasn't of the faith, and he was like an outsider. Mm-hmm. And his servant, servant lady, witnessed to him. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. She, she said, "You you need to go see Elijah yeah. or Elisha." Yeah, it's interesting. They tell the story. She was, she was captured in a raid. She was hmm. actually Israeli. Uh, um, they had captured this girl and taken her. So she knew. She knew about the prophets. Wow, I, that's good, that's good. And she's the one who told him to go to Elijah. Uh, so the story here, he goes, he brings, uh, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Naaman is this respected uh, commander, uh, but he has leprosy. So he gets approval from his king. He's, he's, he's uh, Assyrian to go to um, Elisha the prophet and so to see if he can be healed. So uh, he goes, he brings a bunch of silver and gold with him, and he gets to Elisha's house, and Elisha doesn't even come out. He just tells him to go to the river and wash seven times, and he'll be cured. And it goes through a whole story where Naaman doesn't want to do it, uh, he storms off, but one of his servants convinces him to do it. And eventually he does, and he is healed 
um, miraculously when he washes. Um, the seventh time. The seventh time. And seven is, uh, in the number system, seven is divine. Mm. God was directing. Yeah. And so then there's a whole story here. Uh, Elisha refuses all the gifts. This guy has brought a boatload of gifts of silver and gold with him. Um, it's interesting, too. Naaman promises now to serve the Lord, um, but he does ask for forgiveness when he has to bow to the God of Syria. And Elisha says, go and don't worry about it. Uh, he gives him his blessing. And then there's a whole story where one of Elisha's servants doesn't like that uh, Elisha didn't take all the guy's money and that he let him off too easy. And he goes and tricks Naaman and tells him a lie that Elisha wanted, uh, actually wants the money for something else, and he takes it and steals it. And uh, eventually Elisha finds out and he com uh, confronts him. Uh, uh, and Elisha um, curses him and says the leprosy that was on Naaman is now going to be on this uh, other servant, uh, the one who um, tricked Naaman. And then we get into six. Um, there's another miracle. There's one, one with an axe, a tool. They're making right. a house. Yeah. falls in the river. And Elisha kind of miraculously finds it or restores it somehow. Um, it, it talks about how Syria had keeps planning these surprise attacks on Israel and Elisha, Secrets, yeah. secret, secretly, and Elisha um, miraculously finds out and keeps warning Israel about it. And um, so the Syrian king... Can't figure out what's going on. Eventually finds out it's Elisha that can see these things. And so he sends his army um, his army to get Elisha and kill him. And so they go and they surround the town, the place where Elisha is. This is another uh, instance where these chariots show up. His servant, Elisha's servant, is really scared. Elisha tells him, don't be afraid. And he prays that his eyes are open. Yeah. And he says, there's more on our side than, than is yep. on their side. And he looks and sees that the hills are covered with fiery horses and wow. flaming chariots. The unseen. Yeah, the unseen. Wow. Amazing. And Elisha prays that this army will go blind. God blinds them with a the bright light. And Elisha, it's kind of funny, he he tricks them because they're, they're blind. They can't see and leads them. Uh, right into the middle of the capital of Israel in Samaria, so that they're surrounded by the army. And uh, when they he leads them there, gets them there, and then he has their eyes opened. God opens their eyes, and they see it. And uh, but Elisha has mercy on them. Actually, they were gonna the king was gonna kill them all. But he says no, feed them and send them home. And it says for a while Syria stopped invading Israel. Uh, then it picks back up. It says, sometime later, Syria again starts attacking Israel. Um, they're attacking um, and surrounding 
Israel to where their food is cut off. They have no food. There's a whole uh, crazy story uh, where the king is confronted by two women and he sees how uh, how bad things are getting in the town where they're eating their own children and things. He's uh, devastated by what's happening and he blames Elisha. He's going to kill Elisha. Um, but Elisha prophesies that there will be a mir- miraculous increase of grain. Uh, then it tells a story where there's four uh, men with leprosy uh, who are staying at the gates of this town, and they, the town is basically run out of food, and so they decide to take their chances in the Syrian camp, and they go to the Syrian camp, and when they do, God miraculously makes it seem like there's a huge cavalry army uh, with these guys when they walk through and the Syrian army gets scared and they run away and when they do they leave all their stuff behind and now Israel has a miraculous cachet of grain just like was prophesied right grain and goods and uh, more than enough that it was uh, so much so that uh, the price had gone on down to nearly nothing there you go from starving um let's see there's a story uh, about the woman whose son was healed we're in chapter eight uh they elisha had warned her she went and lived because of this famine that was coming to go live somewhere else she lived uh in the land of the philistines for seven years she returns and um she wants to get her stuff back and she uh, tells them about all the things Elisha has done and the king is impressed and gives her uh, all her land and money back Um, and there's a story of where Elisha goes to see the king of Syria Ben Hadad Mm -hmm. he's sick and he sends out his servant uh, Hazayak to meet Elisha uh, with gifts um and he's asking Elisha about what's going to happen to the king and um it's a really interesting story here at first he he tells him that i think he's going to be okay and eventually Elisha breaks down and uh says what's really going to happen and the king Ben Hadad is going to die he says, tell him he's going to live, but he's going to die. And Elisha is heartbroken over this because uh, this other person who's going to take over is uh, going to be much worse. And he's going to do all kinds of terrible things to Israel. And, um, and so we're getting to the end here, chapter 8. Um Jehoram, son of Jehoshaphat, is king of Judah now. And Jehoshaphat did good, but his son goes wrong, um, does wrong. In the eyes of the Lord, he marries Ahab's daughter and is sinful like Ahab's family. Um, uh, And again, it mentions because of David, he won't destroy Judah. Hmm. Judah gets grace there. And it basically ends there. Um, 
uh, let's see. So Jehoram is is king of Judah, and then Jehoram dies, and his son Ahaziah becomes king. Uh, he's also continuing in evil, like uh, Ahab. Ahab had started a trend there with the family. Um, but fascinating, they are getting grace as well because of David during mm -hmm. this time. Covenant, so, yep. Uh, so let's see. How do we want to do this? Let's let's go ahead. So that was our Old Testament. That was a lot there. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, there's so much in the Old Testament. Sometimes we may have the tendency to uh, feel like, you know, well, we're reading all this history and all of that, but... You know, uh, the more we read, the more we study the Old Testament, the more we see principles that relate to the New Testament. Mm. You know, principles of faith, uh, the drama of hum hu human drama, what what people go through in their relationship uh, to God. Yeah. And so, uh, I know sometimes we may feel, man, it's just you know just a lot of history, and it is, mm -hmm. but it can be very very meaningful. That doesn't mean we bring everything in the Old Testament over to the New Testament, but yet there are those principles that are very much uh, encouraging to us. Yeah, awesome. Uh, so let's do our uh, New Testament reading. We have John one through four. Um, the book of John, of course, you know, for uh, for new Christians as well as older Christian, it is the book that uh, we are encouraged to read because it really connects us with Christ. Yeah, the whole uh, the way this 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 gospel starts, it's a whole different style. Mm -hmm. He's in a in a in a different kind of mode which I really like. So I just want to read, I'll start off. The, it's, it's so uh, intense, this first couple of verses here. Right. So Identifies. John 1, it starts off, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Mm -hmm. In him was life, and the life was light of men, and the light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So that's where John starts. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know. Incredible. Uh, it's, it's more, um, I don't even know how to describe it mystic or supernatural tone the whole tone of it is um different um uh, yeah, well john there's no question that god was supernaturally revealing to john you know yeah and so it starts off the story we're talking about john john the baptist uh how god had sent him to bear witness to the light and to make the way basically for jesus um, and it keeps it, it, he uses this light um, analogy mm. um, a lot uh, the world was made through the light and the light came into the world but the world did not know him and his people his own people did not receive him um, 
But those who did receive him and believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. He gave them power, power to become the sons of God. And another, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Um, Another, uh, Moses brought the law, but Christ brought grace and truth. And um, this first chapter of John is just incredible. Mm -hmm. It's just... uh, well, so, there, so you know, there when it says he came unto his own, his own received him not, but as many as received him, but as many as received him. So there we have that choice again. Yeah, we have that free will. Yeah. God doesn't force Himself upon us, right? But we choose out of free will. Yeah. And so it starts off with uh, John the Baptist. He's crying out in the wilderness, making the way straight for the Lord. Um, he's baptizing people with water. He sees Jesus coming toward him, and he says, Behold the Lamb who takes away the sin of the world. Um, so John the Baptist had a revelation um, of who Christ was. And it goes into the, to where John baptizes Jesus. He sees the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove onto Jesus. Uh it says the Lord had told John this would happen and that Jesus would then baptize with the Holy Spirit. Uh, John saw that Jesus was the Son of God. Um, and it gets into a, a story here. Uh, Peter's brother Andrew was there. Mm-hmm. And here's John speaking about Jesus. Right. And he follows Jesus. And uh, I guess... Several of John's disciples had gone and followed Jesus, and then Andrew, Philip, and Nathaniel. Andrew goes and tells his brother, who is Peter, he's found the Messiah. So that's how Peter became uh, part of the group through his brother. Uh, Jesus goes to Galilee. Galilee, he finds Philip there. He tells him to follow him. Uh, then Philip goes and tells Nathaniel. Um, and it's interesting the way he phrases it. We have found the one Moses and the prophets wrote about. Mm. Uh, that Moses had wrote about Jesus. Wow. They were looking for him. Uh, fascinating. Uh, Nathaniel comes to Jesus. Um, and uh, Jesus does a simple, says something kind of simple to him. He's a, a true Israelite. And Nathaniel's mm. overwhelmed by it says you really are the son of god it seems like jesus is amused like that was it Mm. that's all it took it says you'll see greater things he actually says you'll see heaven open up and angels descending and ascending on the son of man uh chapter two uh is the uh water into wine jesus Mm -hmm. is at a wedding they run out of wine his mom asks him for help he says, my time hasn't come. What's this got to do with me? But he uh, goes along with it anyways. He has them fill jars with water, and then he has the master of the feast taste it, and the water has become wine. That was his first miracle. Uh, the first sign to the his disciples, they believed in him. Uh, then it goes into Jesus when he goes to the temple, as he sees the money changers and vendors, he makes a whip and chases them out and overturns their tables. Uh, they ask Jesus, 
what sign he has to do this, I guess what authority he has to be cleaning the place out. He says, uh, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it. He's talking about his body, but they're not perceiving it. They have no idea. Um, it says, many people begin to believe in Jesus because of the signs he's doing. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't trust entrust himself to them. Uh, so that's interesting that it says that there. Uh, we get into chapter 3 here. Uh, it's an awesome story. A Pharisee named Nicodemus. Yeah, the Pharisee. Notice the Pharisee. And he goes to Jesus by night to talk to him, which I'm guessing is because he didn't want anybody to know. Um, he says, we know you're from God because of the signs you do. And Jesus goes into the um, talking to him about how we can't see the kingdom unless we're born again. And Nicodemus mm -hmm. is saying... What are you talking about? That's crazy. Right. How can you do that when you're old? And Jesus is like, how do you not understand what I'm telling you? Yeah, spiritual, uh, spiritual rebirth. spiritually, you're born and, of water uh, and spirit. Actually, Jesus kind of confronted Nicodemus and said, you're the Pharisee. You, you're the guy that should know. Yeah, how do you not know this? What, what, what's wrong here? Yeah. What? yeah, it's incredible. And um, at the end of that, sequence there is a that part where uh, jesus quotes again as moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness so must the son of man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life um that's incredible uh that he uses of all things that reference mm. of the the snake being lifted up right the serpent the, yeah. the serpent uh, and then, of course, I'll, I'll read it here, the, our probably most famous verse in Christianity. For yeah. God so loved the world, right. that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then 17, two, uh, for God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Um, and it says, again, you're talking about uh, free will there it's just pretty explicit here when it's like the light has come into the world but the people love darkness mm -hmm. because their works were evil they wanted to be in the darkness so they didn't right. accept the light um, let's see we'll get into chapter 4 here uh, Jesus is traveling he stops at samaria to a well to get a drink of water um jesus asked her to get him a drink of water and she says you're jewish how can you yeah have anything to do with me i'm samaritan. a samaritan i guess these two groups did not get along and had a history of uh, uh, uh resentment toward each other Jesus says, if you knew who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink of living water. And she's, again, there's this thing where he's talking about spiritual things and people are not getting it. Mm -hmm. They're still thinking just natural. She says, you, you don't have anything to get water out of the well. What do you, how can you give me a drink? And Jesus says, whoever drinks this water will never be thirsty, but... He will have a spring of living water inside of him. Uh, she says, give me this water. 
Jesus tells her to go tell her husband. She says, I don't have a husband. He says, you're right. You have five husbands. And uh, she says, I see you're a prophet because you're telling the truth. And they go into this uh, thing about worship. Um, he's talking about true worshipers will worship him in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. Um, again, there's this focus on the spirit the the spirit beyond the physical beyond the physical location of jerusalem or the mountain he's talking now about spirit and truth um she says she knows the messiah is coming and and uh he says i'm him he tells her directly um the disciples come back they're trying to get jesus to eat um he says, awesome sequence here. He says, I have food you don't know about. It's to do the will of the Father. And he's talking about the harvest. The harvest is great. And then it continues on, and it talks about how many Samaritans from that town believed in Jesus because of that woman's testimony. Well, she became an evangelist. She went back and, and told everybody. Come see a man. Yeah, uh, she really did. She, um, she must have preached to the whole town. And uh, Jesus went and stays with them for two days. Uh, then he goes on to Galilee. Um, an official comes to Jesus while he's there, whose son is sick, and asks yeah. Jesus to heal him. This is kind of interesting. Jesus says, you won't believe unless you see a sign, signs and wonders. And the guy continues to uh, ask him and plead for Jesus. Jesus says, go, he's healed. And then uh, later on, he finds out at that very moment, his son was healed. He was healed. Uh, and he believes. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if Jesus was saying that in general, that without a sign, you're not going to believe uh, to that generation. I or think to, to the them, people. yeah. But specifically to that guy, that's what happened. Mm -hmm. Once he saw the sign that his son was healed, then it says he believed. Mm -hmm. He did believe in Jesus. Yeah. Now, let's make this point here that uh, as we follow Jesus in the Gospels, you know, we see the incredible, miraculous leading. And uh, there's been those who feel, well, Jesus just did this because he was God. Well, he was God, but he was also man. Mm. And so, in a sense that uh, he placed his God factor on hold, became man, and Jesus operated according to the Word of God and the leading of the Spirit. Hmm. And so this helps us to more so look to him as our model for fulfilling God's will. Yeah, yeah, amazing. So good. Um, that's the end. That's the end of four there, that story. Yes, wonderful. And so Wow. Wow, we covered a lot of ground today. Um, I think this is our longest one yet. Uh, for some reason, this was a bigger reading this week. But um, I love it because it keeps us moving. It keeps us going. But I also sometimes get a little frustrated because I know there's uh so it's so deep there's so much oh yeah in in uh many of these passages that um 
we don't have time to unpack it all, but mm-hmm. it's also good because we don't have time. We got to keep moving. Yeah. So, one so, of the uh, one of the powerful things about reading the word, you know, or teaching with the word, uh, it it kind of speaks for itself. Yeah. You know, you don't have to try to add all your thoughts to it. You yeah, know. you know that's true because. It, this time when I'm reading through, I'm trying not to get too into like commentaries and extra stuff and just let the story speak, speak for itself. Speak for itself. Well. Just to see what it's saying to me without <laughs> having the filter, some other filter, yeah. you know, as much as I can. Well, one, uh, of the problems, one of the problems that Nicodemus had was that was their man-made tradition. Yeah, right. You know, I don't want somebody, to go there. Somebody <laughs> telling him uh, how to think about it. Yeah. So uh, anyways, great. great. Thank you so much, Bishop, hey, for being with my, us. My pleasure. Fantastic. My pleasure. And thank you all for tuning in and uh, reading along and listening as we go through the Word. And we will be back with you next week for week 20. So week 20. stay Moving tuned along. and... Uh, Stick with us. Thanks, everybody. All right, peace.